It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Here's Donald. Carry it out. Deep ball. Separation. Caught. Robbie Anderson. Goodbye. Touchdown, Jets. The whole NFL is watching. A fourth and ten. And here they come. Make this pass. It's intercepted by Mosley. Maybe on down the top. Bell breaks a tackle. Looking downfield, fires this one, and intercepted at the 34. Jamal Adams goes down on the ground and takes it away. He'll hit immediately. He got the handoff. You know and that's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. Welcome to Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter, at PlayLikeAJet1. And we are going to recap the third preseason game, the home opener for the New York Jets against the New Orleans Saints. The Jets lost 28-13, to but it's preseason, so who really cares about the final score? We want to know about the nitty-gritty, the real details that matter. And so, of course, who else would we go to but the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com. And, of course, above all that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley. Chris, I believe that game was somewhere around seven hours long. Uh, at least it was horrible. It was one of the worst games I've ever seen, and I thought it would never end. I even tweeted out a little lamb top chop gift with uh, his game will never end song to the to that theme song of it. So yeah, it, it was it was dreadful. Chris, I thought I would share this story with you because I know it was frustrating to have to cover this awful game and then sit in traffic on your way home after the press conference. I was going up the steps to my seats because I was at the game today, and a gentleman yells out, Quinnen Williams is going to win defensive MVP. So I looked at him and said, defensive MVP of what? And he said, of the NFL. So I was like, all right, man, listen, I don't know. That might be a little much. And he looked at me and he's like, you don't get it, man. You just have no idea what a beast Quinnen Williams is. And I just smiled and laughed because anybody that's ever listened to this podcast, follows me on Twitter, knows me in real life, knows how ironic it is that somebody said that to me. Yeah, you, you should have been like, listen, man, I've been on this longer for a long time. Check check my credentials. Google me. That's what you should have said. Google me. I know all about Quinn and Williams. I should have done the Shaq move. Google me, Chuck. Google me. Yes. Yes, exactly. We'll get back to Quinn and Williams in a bit because we're going to talk about all the rookies. But before we get into the game, Chris, some huge news and actually news that is going to have a major impact on your fantasy drafts if you haven't had it yet or your fantasy team if you drafted Andrew Luck. And by the way, if you're looking to play fantasy sports this year, you should go ahead and do so with the fine people over at the Draft app and Draft.com. You have an opportunity to win $3.5 million in their best ball championship. It's an easy snake draft, so nothing complicated like salary caps or auctions or anything like that. Plus, they maintain the roster for you all year long. You don't have to spend time every day maintaining your roster. They will make sure that your best players are in every single week. 
All you have to do to get a free crack at that $3.5 million is make your first deposit over at the draft up and draft.com using the promo code PLAYLIKE. That's PLAYLIKE, P-L-A-Y-L-I-K-E. Use that promo code when you make your first deposit over at the draft up and draft.com and you will get yourself a free crack at that $3.5 million. But do not draft Andrew Luck, who will not be playing this year or any other year a stunning announcement that came right around halftime of the Jets game. Andrew Luck, one of the most talented quarterbacks I've ever seen. Somebody that most believed was destined to win many Super Bowls when he was drafted out of Stanford. Has called it quits. He is retiring. He just couldn't take the injuries anymore. One after another, they piled up and they piled up. This latest is an injury that we don't even know the extent of. It has something to do with his ankle or his foot. But nobody knows for sure. But apparently Andrew Luck was frustrated. He just felt like he was never going to get healthy. And he was tired of going through this dance. So he has decided to retire before he even hit 30 years old. Which is absolutely incredible, Chris. Let's talk about this. Number one, how stunned were you when you heard this? And number two, when we do eventually look back at Andrew Luck's career in a couple of years... Are we going to look at it as one of the biggest what-ifs in NFL history? Because I feel like for a guy who had this much talent, he was ruined in large part due to negligence by his own franchise, most specifically Ryan Gregson, the former GM, who did nothing to provide Luck with the weapons that he needed to succeed and also almost got him killed numerous times by not fixing that offensive line. Still, when Luck was healthy and was playing, he found a way to will the Colts to double-digit wins and several division titles, which again shows you how good he was, and it makes you weep for the fact that if he had been in the right situation and if he had been properly taken care of, who knows what this guy could have accomplished. Yeah, I'll go ahead and answer that number two first, and absolutely, he's got to go down as a huge giant one in. Uh, you know, Andrew Luck is up there among the most talented quarterbacks I've ever seen. He was one of my favorite players to watch. Uh, he's also just a great personality. Listening to him talk just makes me smile. Obviously, everybody knows that he's a super intelligent guy. I'm happy for him that he was able to come to this decision, though, because, man, that could not have been easy for him. I know a lot of – I saw some people on Twitter, some people doing stupid stuff like saying this is something because he's a millennial and millennials giving up and then other people questioning his love for football. And I just think that's nonsense. Is You just look at what he's been through the last couple of years, everything that's gone wrong. And obviously, he's had the injuries. But he's had botched surgery after botched surgery. The medical staff there has misdiagnosed so many things with them. They had, this whole last injury is so weird because it, it was, you know, it's a different thing every time that, that we hear something about it. It's a different part of his leg. Um, and like you said, this is the Colts really messed this up from the very beginning. They obviously drafting him was the right move, but they just left him behind the worst offensive line in football for the first uh, few years of his career. Ironically, now, he has one of the best offensive lines in football, but the damage was already done, so it's too late. And let this be a cautionary tale to Joe Douglas, Adam Gase, and the Jets, because they let Andrew Luck get beat up 
playing behind that terrible offensive line, and now it's too late. And, you know, Andrew Luck is, was very good at avoiding pressure, but he was also kind of reckless and would go ahead and charge head first into a bunch of tackles. So uh, the, the Jets have got to take note of this and make sure that they address their offensive line a lot quicker than the Colts did. But it's a shame to see somebody who's only 29 years old, not even 30 yet. We see Tom Brady still playing like that's crazy. And uh, as good as he was, as good as his career could have been, derailed simply because uh, of incompetence in the NFL organization uh, that he was employed by. And again, one of the, the biggest reasons why I will laugh whenever somebody says, well, you, that guy has to know more than you. He's employed by an NFL team. No, man, a lot of these people that are employed by NFL teams are dummies. And Ryan Gregson, Gregson uh, definitely messed up and uh, absolutely ruined and sabotaged. Uh, well, sabotage would apply to it on purpose, but he ruined Andrew Luck's career. And let's be fair to Ryan Gregson here. He was a terrible general manager. That doesn't necessarily mean he's an overall terrible football person because you could be good in another job and just be a really bad general manager. But he was completely incompetent as a general manager for the Indianapolis Colts. And while obviously it's a very violent game and anything can happen, what Grigson did was very, very negligent, and he did everything he could to not put Andrew Luck in the position to be protected and to succeed. And so now at 29 years old, Andrew Luck walks away from the game as one of the most talented quarterbacks you'll ever see who never got to fully live up to his potential because he had to walk away long before most people believed he would have to. I want to address three quick things here. First of all, the millennial comment is ridiculous. Andrew Luck loves football. He's been around football his whole life. He was raised to love football. His father was a football player. I don't know what else to say about this other than the fact that he just got frustrated from all the injuries piling up and realized that this was just going to be a continuous thing that he couldn't take. Yes, he has more money than he can ever spend, but he had more money than he could ever spend when these injuries were piling up before and he kept working to come back. I think he just realized at a certain point that it was a lost cause, that this was just going to keep happening, and so he decided to walk away now and move on with his life. And it's disappointing as a football fan because I really loved watching him play, but he's got a life to live, and that's what he's decided to do. I respect it, and I understand it. The next thing, I do find this amusing, and it was something I was saying to friends as a joke in private, but the people that are tweeting this and trying to be serious about it, I know that Andrew Luck's father is the commissioner of the XFL, But even if Andrew Luck wanted to go to the XFL to help his father out, he's not allowed to because he's under contract to the NFL and the Indianapolis Colts. So let's do away with that conspiracy theory. And the third thing and most important here, to the Colts fans who booed this man as he was walking off of the field, what is wrong with you? I understand that you're frustrated that he's not going to be the quarterback anymore. I understand that you're upset. But to boo this guy because he's walking away from the game that he loves out of frustration because he just can't stay healthy and realizes it and has decided to deal with it in a way that I'm sure is incredibly painful for him. And then to do that, listen, these are human beings here. This isn't a video game. 
And so when you boo a guy for something like that, you're revealing how classless you are. And Andrew Luck himself admitted that it got to him in the press conference afterwards, which ended up having to be rushed because this news got leaked. He was going to announce it at a press conference tomorrow. I don't know who leaked it, but whoever did that did Andrew Luck and the Colts a huge disservice. And so instead he had to talk tonight. And when he did, he said that, yes, it did hurt him a lot when Colts fans booed him as he was walking off of that field. So Colts fans that booed him should really be ashamed of themselves. And I'm not going to lump all Colts fans in with that. That would be completely unfair. But the ones who did that, seriously, you should be ashamed of yourselves. Yeah, fans, all fans need to realize this. And you're you're absolutely right. I'm sure there was plenty of Colts fans in there that were yelling at the Colts fans that were booing. But fans need to realize this, man. These players don't owe you anything. Their lives are their lives, and they're not. Their lives are not just strictly to entertain you. Uh, the entitlement of, of the fans who boo stuff like that, like, hey man, boo! You you got to keep living in pain for my own benefit. Get out of here with that. And uh, you know, I also think it's just a totality of the injuries. Anyone that has knows anything about the human body or has ever you know, hurt their knee or ankle or anyone knows what happened. So when I was going up into the game at the press box, there was a girl on crutches with a knee brace on and somebody asked what happened. And she said she had three hip surgeries. And then they were like, oh, wow, that's terrible. Wait, why do you have a knee brace? Well, because the, the hip surgeries led to a complication with her knee now because she was compensating and she got injured. So Lux had all these different injuries all over his body and he's got, he's got to be like, even if I rehab and get back to feeling good, it's gonna, what's going to be the next thing and how long is it going to be until that happens? It's got to come up soon. Uh, so anybody questioning his toughness or his love for football or anything or thinking that he owes you to, to suffer through it, that's just absurd. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. With your host, Scott Mason. Football's a game. We all love it. We're all very serious about it. But when it comes right down to it, these are still human beings that are playing the game, and they've got to do what they've got to do for their own sanity and for their own health. And so that's what Andrew Luck has chosen to do. And I know it's disappointing. It's disappointing for me, and I'm not even a Colts fan because I really enjoyed watching Andrew Luck play. But this is just the way things are, and to boo a guy for that is just completely classless. Chris, I do want to mention this, though. Andrew Luck leaving opens up a lot of things here. Jacoby Brissett will step in. He's obviously not Andrew Luck, but he has shown in the past that he's a fairly capable quarterback. He'll get an opportunity now to try and save the cult season and in the process potentially earn himself a starting quarterback job either with the Colts or elsewhere. On top of that, we now know that this is going to ripple down to teams like the Houston Texans. Obviously, we've been hearing rumors about certain players, specifically Jadavian Clowney, being shopped. There are heavy rumors that there's a deal that's just about done. Nobody knows the details of where he'll be going or what the compensation will be or any of that. But there are heavy rumors that there's a deal virtually in place with some team. If you're the Texans, do you now maybe rethink that deal? Because with Andrew Luck gone, the odds of the Texans being able to not only win the division, but possibly even get a bye 
because now those two cult games become so much easier to win? Is that something that they consider and decide to pull the plug on if a deal is indeed done? On top of that, this obviously ends up helping the Jets as well because the Jets are going to be, we assume, in the playoff mix at some point. And now there's a team in the Colts that is significantly weaker and may not necessarily be a playoff favorite. We went into this season thinking that they were probably the division favorites. If nothing else, they would probably be well in line for a wild card. That may not be the case now. So a lot of fallout here with the retirement of Andrew Luck. Yeah, I definitely had them uh, penciled in there as the division winners. Um, And, you know, now they could have gotten won the division, and then maybe, you know, the Texans or the Jags creep back or the Titans go the 8-8, eight and 9-7, eight and, and whatever. One of those teams could have uh, snatched a wild card. Now one of those teams will win the division, and maybe the Jets will be able to get that wild card. Uh, of the Texans with trading Clowney, they uh, like I said, the, uh, the Jets need to let this luck thing be a cautionary tale to them. The Texans need to let that be the case even more especially the way that their offensive line has been Deshaun Watson's injury history. And at times last year, it felt like Bill O'Brien was trying to get him hurt. Um, It's what, you know, does this change what they would consider doing with Clowney? Maybe, probably not. But if they can somehow, if if they were going to get, like, you know, a left tackle or an offensive lineman for that, then it probably makes it more likely they do it. Or maybe they stop it and try to uh, redirect it and see if they can do something there. I don't know. But my, my guess would be that they'll probably still be likely to do it. They probably feel like this will make it even easier for them to win the division without Clowney now. So... But, you know, it's definitely one one team that we all figured would more than likely be better than the Jets this year. And now all of a sudden the Jets could miss the playoffs and it, it wouldn't surprise anyone if they finish with a better record than the Colts. Uh, so, yeah, this, this will definitely help their playoff chances for sure. Rich Semini of ESPN New York is saying that Whoever gets a deal done with the Texans for Clowney is more than likely going to have to include a wide receiver. I didn't think the Jets were a likely trade partner anyway because of the fact that Clowney can't sign anything beyond the franchise tag this year. They can't even negotiate with him until the season is over. And so to give up any kind of real compensation for a guy that you can't even talk to until the season is over seems like a strange move for a team that's maybe a fringe playoff contender. If you're going to get clowny, as we said, Chris, you'd have to be a team that's ready to make a deep run, which I don't think the Jets are. Obviously, if the Jets were to try and trade for Clowney and they were looking for a wide receiver, there's not much the Jets could offer there. They have Quincy Anunwa, but he's always banged up. They just got Jamison Crowder, and I don't know how much trade value he has. Robbie Anderson, I'm sure, would be somebody that a team would want, but the problem is he's on a one-year deal himself, so... I don't think they were a good match anyway, but if that's true and the Texans are looking for a wide receiver in the deal, you can pretty much cross off any chance that the Jets have, despite what Joe Douglas had to say about possible trades, and we'll get into that later when we talk about quotes from the locker room. But, Chris, I think we can both agree the Jets are not getting Jadavian Clowney. You don't think Tim White's enough? Tim White straight up? Maybe if they throw in a third or fourth round pick with Tim White, they could consider it. But I don't, I don't know. It might be a shaky move. 
Uh, yeah, you're probably right about that. I mean, by probably, I mean 100 percent, definitely. <laughs> yeah, they, uh, we've been talking about this, and uh, yeah, Joe Douglas kind of was smiling as he was talking to reporters and alluding, you know, knowing that it was a lot of the question uh, was basically about Clowney, but I just can't see them doing it. Uh, I, you know, if the Texans just weren't able to move him and they were decided they were willing to let him go for a fourth-round pick, then sure, I could see it. But I don't think that's the case or what's going to happen. I think there's a little more uh, a competition for the, for Clowney than, than having to, the Texans having to settle for like a fourth or fifth-round draft pick. I agree. And also, let's throw some cold water on this Leonard Williams stuff because I've seen a bunch of people talking about it. The Jets are not trading Leonard Williams, so please get that out of your head. He's not getting traded before the season. He's going to be a member of this team. Him and Quinn and Williams are going to make a pretty good combo, too. So you can keep up with your Leonard Williams trade proposals all you want, but they're not trading him. I'm, I'm really sick of the Leonard Williams slander, to be honest. I know, I know that he's been a quote-unquote disappointment because of where he was drafted and how he started his career, and he expected him to take uh, go to that next level, which he never got to. But you're just exposing yourself when you slander him and talk about him being a bum and a second-team teamer because his job is really to eat up linemen a lot of the time and to take on the extra guys. Uh, he's, he's not a bad player, and people act like he's some bum, and, uh, and I'm tired of it. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. With your host, Scott Mason. Leonard Williams is a very good player. He's not a great player. But if you're the Jets and you're looking to maybe make a run at the playoffs, makes no sense that you would trade a 24-year-old who's a very good player, even if he's not a great player. And also, considering that he's now in a new defense with Quinton Williams next to him, you see what he can do with Greg Williams. You can see what he can do with Quinton Williams next to him. And then you can make the decision. But trading him now, especially since what are you going to get, a third or fourth round pick? Why would you do that? Yeah, I mean, uh, you depending on where you traded him to and if it was a team that was, you know, as like somebody who thinks they're going to the, could go to the Super Bowl, maybe they miss out on Clowney. I think you could possibly get a second-round pick for him. Uh, but, yeah, it just doesn't make sense. That second-round pick's not going to help you next year. You can wait and see what he has, uh, how he does next to Quinnen and, and Greg Williams' defense, and then you can go from there. And then, you know, if he, if he walks in free agency, depending on how much money they spend elsewhere, maybe you can get a comp pick. But I, this coaching staff loves Leonard Williams. They love everything about him. So you can keep dreaming and making up these Madden trade scenarios. He's not going anywhere. He's not getting traded for Jadavian Clowney. He's not getting traded for all Sean Jeffrey. He's not getting traded for Jalen Ramsey. And listen, if some team called up and made some sort of godfather offer, like, hey, we'll give you a first and a fourth round pick, sure, fine. But that's not going to happen, so forget it. Leonard Williams is going to be here in 2019, and that's not a bad thing because Leonard Williams is a very good player. And we're going to get back to Leonard Williams in a bit, but first... Let's get into the game here and the opening drive. Chris, the Saints marched right down the field, and it was like child's play. Spoiler alert, Drew Brees is a pretty good quarterback, and the Jets' corners can't cover Michael Thomas. To be fair, nobody can cover Michael Thomas, but the Jets' corners really can't cover Michael Thomas. 
Yeah, this this game became incredibly boring and, and uh, tough to endure right away. And because, it was because of the, the Jets' cornerback situation and their offensive line situation. It was immediately apparent, like, eh, we're not going to be able to get anything at all out of this game. We're not, not going to be able to really draw any conclusions. Um, Breeze went right down the field. Uh, you know, they uh, had the... Uh, that's the wheel route to Kamara early where Neville Hewitt got caught on the pick play. Uh, that sprung him open on a third down. Looked like they might have been able to get a three and out, but that didn't happen. And then two two plays Michael Thomas where he just had no chance of stopping him. Uh, poor Tevon Campbell out there and just he had no, no chance whatsoever. Uh, you know, obviously this shows the – how badly Jets need cornerback help, even with Tremaine Johnson coming back. Uh, the cornerback the group is really, really weak right now. So that that's a huge problem. And listen, you, you give up a touchdown to Drew Brees and Michael Thomas, n- no big deal. They, they get plenty of those touchdowns against really good defenses. But it was very apparent that it was going to be tough to actually gauge anything for th- that happened in tonight's game. And when the Jets got the ball, they fumbled right away. Ty Montgomery coughing the ball up, so things weren't looking good for the Jets early on. And Teddy Bridgewater came in pretty quickly and did pretty well for himself. The Saints were moving the ball with ease, even after Drew Brees was out. I can't believe we didn't mention this in the pregame report, but the return of the one, the only, the legendary Teddy Bridgewater to MetLife Stadium, the stadium that he helped build, this is a huge storyline that you and I forgot to talk about. It's on me, Chris. I expect better for myself, and I'm going to have to try and learn from my mistakes the way that Adam Gase did, not playing the starters past the first half. In fact, he took them out before the first half was over. I know a lot of people still felt like this was too long because the offensive line was not looking so sharp tonight with three starters out. Sam Darnold having some trouble maintaining a clean pocket. In fact, very rarely was there a clean pocket, but again, you have to keep in mind three of the starters were out. Darnold was okay tonight, but mm, he wasn't great by any stretch. I know he had that one throw to Robbie Anderson that we're going to talk about in a second, but overall, a so-so night for Darnold, really. Yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, obviously having those three starters on the offensive line out uh, didn't help. And then on top of that, the Ty Montgomery uh, fumble kind of, just got the offense out, discombobulated. Uh, some players were talking about how uh, they start. They kind of panicked a little bit because they were like, "Oh man, we might be taken out of the game soon." So they were trying to like make up for that fumble, and it just got them all out of sorts. Uh, Gates was asked after uh, the game if that is alarming, if that concerns him. He said no because that's really the first time he's seen it. It's you know, they've been practicing really well, and they haven't had these issues at practice. If it's something that came up a, a couple times in practice, then he'd be more concerned. Um, but mostly, yeah, that offensive line, Gase said afterwards that, yeah, he was thinking about taking him out even sooner than he did, too. And he alluded to the fact that, you know, those hits on Darnold that he took is what made him just say, all right, that's it, just get everybody out of there now. He was planning on started, playing most of the starters the entire first half. 
he took him out after Darnold threw that touchdown to Ty Montgomery. And he had admitted that he was, he was thinking about it before that drive, but he, you know, it was, it got off to such a slow and sloppy start that he wanted to see if they could rebound and, and get into a rhythm. And this is one of those scenarios. If it was a full game, you could tell that they got off to the bad start. Things were sloppy at first. And then he settled down, and that last drive was exactly what you wanted to see. And in the regular season, you would just hope that that would continue. And from what we've seen of Sam, that is typically how he operates now. So, um, you know, obviously everybody had to be watching that first half unfold and had to be concerned. But he, you know, there was no major injuries. Uh, so none of the starters got hurt. So, for he played them the exact amount of time that he should have. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. With your host, Scott Mason. Robbie Anderson, barring injury, is going to have a really nice year. He played really well tonight, including on that long throw from Darnold, 44 yards. That was a play that was funny because so many people tweeted out, oh, what a throw from Darnold. But when you watched it back, it really wasn't that good of a throw by Darnold. He underthrew it, and he also threw to the inside when Robbie Anderson was running an outside route. To Robbie Anderson's credit, he made a great adjustment and came back and got the ball. So that was really more Robbie than Darnold. It wasn't the worst throw that I've ever seen, but it certainly wasn't a great pass by any stretch. Although, the touchdown pass to Montgomery was really good. So... It was an interesting night for Sam Darnold, but you can see if these guys stay healthy, even Montgomery, who's not going to be the starter, but should come in as a change of pace back. If the offensive line can hold up, and right now we'll see how that goes because they do have three guys that weren't playing. Of course, Khalil wasn't playing, not because of injury. It was because he wasn't ready to play yet. Two of the starters, the two guards, Assemble and Winters, weren't playing because they were hurt. They should be back in time for the regular season. If they hold up, this offense has a chance to be pretty good. Hey, man, just at me. I'm right here. You can just at me. I was one of those people tweeting that <laughs> it was a beautiful pass at Sam Darnold. So uh, I made the mistake of uh, you know not really paying attention as it happened. And then I just saw the catch, and I was like, oh, I had to be a beautiful pass, and I tweeted it. Then I saw the replay, and I was like, oh, maybe it wasn't such a beautiful pass, but it was a beautiful adjustment by Robbie. Um, it was definitely uh, not the greatest pass, but Robbie made the perfect adjustment to it. And, yeah, I absolutely agree with your assessment on Robbie there. I've been talking about it all season. I think he's going to have a big year. Um, but, yeah, again, Sam was, Sam was rushed. He was getting hit a lot. He, was, he didn't have a lot to work with there. So it's nothing that I'd be concerned about at all. No question that the offensive line didn't look super sharp tonight, but again, there's a reason for it. Three of the five starters were missing. On the other end of things, I understand that Tremaine Johnson wasn't playing, but this looked like the JV squad in the cornerback room. It was absolutely horrendous. I know that you can't really expect them or just about anybody else to guard Michael Thomas, but whether it was Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Brees, this was not a good showing for those corners. And I believe I tweeted right after the game was over that my number one takeaway from the evening was Jets fans better get on their knees and start praying that the Eagles are willing to trade Rasul Douglas because this is going to be a unit where you're going to have to hold your breath and pray pretty much every single drive this season. Even if Tremaine Johnson is able to go opening week, 
Tremaine Johnson, Daryl Roberts, and Brian Poole, who actually played pretty well. He was the only bright spot as far as the cornerbacks went. If you're counting on those guys on a week-to-week basis and you have nothing behind them, who boy. Yeah, the, listen, those, we got the top three. Uh, it's, it's very similar to wide receiver here. We know they're, they're, the chances of them trading for somebody who is going to be able to just go right into the starting unit are, is slim to none at this point. So you're going to have Tremaine Johnson. You're going to have Daryl Roberts and Brian Poole there. The After that, the rest of those quarterbacks on, that ro- on the roster right now, they could all go. Honestly, they could all go. You could see three or four uh, corners end up getting picked up onto the after the waivers. Probably won't be that many because I don't know that there will be that many that Joe Douglas deems worthy. But uh, you could see Tevon Campbell maybe sticking or Kyron Brown sticking. But they're going to be super busy on the waiver wire, and cornerback is going to be one of the, the most sought-after positions for them, absolutely. It was clear from the, the very start of this game. And, yeah, you're going to get Trumaine Johnson back, and that, that'll be a benefit. But this just shows you the depth problems that they have on uh, at that position. Chris, we talked about how terrible this game was. 31 penalties, though? you got to be kidding me. Oh my God! It was it was dreadful. It was want to stab me my eyes out bad. Um, it, it it was it seemed like every play there was a penalty, and then they were challenging stuff, and then injuries, and it was just it was such an ugly game. But yeah, there was just penalties. It seemed like every play they were throwing a flag, and it, it was just just it was insulting to make all of us sit there and watch that game. Just imagine if you bought a ticket, Chris. Oh, yeah, well, you know, at least they were super cheap. This is true. $5 on StubHub, as we talked about. Chris, let's talk a little bit about the rookies. Another strong showing for Quinn and Williams. What did you see from him and the rest of the 2019 rookie class? Well, didn't really see too much from the rest of the rookies. Uh, I'll have to watch the game back tomorrow, unfortunately, to really get a look at it because, again, it was hard for me to pay attention super close attention to this game after I saw how bad that offensive line and the quarterbacks were playing. But you could see Quinnen Williams still out there being Quinnen Williams, drawing, uh, holding penalties. He is going to be so disruptive, and he's going to be a problem for a long, long time. So that was good to see. And, you know, he's going to do a lot of that dirty work and get a lot of, uh, make a lot of plays that don't really show up in stat boxes. So, uh, you know, I hope we, we're not going to be dealing with any type of Leonard Williams type situation where people are complaining about him for doing, for not doing enough, uh, stuff that get him in the stat box. Because going and getting a, a huge holding penalty called on you, that's a, that's a big thing, man. When you can do that as consistently as he's done throughout the preseason, that hurts the opposing team's offense really badly. So, uh, it's always good to see that, and, uh, you know, if you, if you still have any doubts or concerns about Quinnen Williams, I don't know what to tell you. This kid's going to be really good. Drawing a holding penalty <laughs> is actually just as valuable as getting a sack because it's a 10-yard penalty. So that's about the loss that you would get on an average sack. People should keep that in mind. By the way, one guy that we did miss is Greg Dortch. He had a pretty good night. I know that it got called back, but uh, yeah. he had one really nice punt return. Yeah, he did have a really nice return. He had a sweet fair catch, too. 
Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I, I was one of the highlights of that night at that point, though. Uh, but, yeah, the re- punt return was really nice. He's He's got that job pretty much locked up as well. Uh, so, yeah, it, that was, you know, that's one less position or one less thing that you, you fans and the, and the Jets coaching staff have to worry about. Play like a Jet. Play like a Jet. With your host, Scott Mason. We talked a little bit about Brian Poole before, but let's get into it a little bit more. He had a really nice night tonight, and so did Jordan Jenkins, who is low-key, had a really nice camp. I don't know that Jordan Jenkins is ever going to be a stud as an edge rusher, but he's developed into a really nice edge setter, and I think that Poole and Jenkins are two of the -the under-the-radar guys for this defense that could really make a difference this year. Yeah, well, against the run, those two are going to be incredible. Uh, Brian Poole against the run is it, very, very good. Jordan Jenkins against the run is very, very good. Uh, I got, like you said, the edge setter there with Jordan Jenkins. He's kind of cut from the Calvin Pace moth, uh, cloth where he's really good at setting that edge, and then he can sneak in and pick his spots and get pick up some sacks here and there. He has definitely improved as a pass rusher. He's worked on it, and he's gotten better, but he's never going to be – uh, you know, a double-digit, huge, uh, just turn the corner off the edge, that guy. But he is good at setting that edge, and he's he's a very solid outside linebacker there for him. So, and again, against the run, the combination of Jordan Jenkins and Brian Poole is going to be really, really good. We talked about Leonard Williams a few times already, Chris, but he played not only with the first team, but the second team as well. Is there a specific reason why he was left in longer than most? Just to get him some more reps. Remember, he missed a bunch of time a couple weeks ago. Uh, So it was just to get him some more reps. Uh, They just mixed him in and out. So no no big deal there. Nothing, uh, you know, no, no reason to be alarmed. He hasn't been dropped to the second team or anything. Uh, but yeah, it, it was just to get him some more reps. They wanted to, to get him out there, get him into a little bit of a rhythm. Let's talk a little special teams now, Chris. We talked about Greg Dortch on the punt returns, but Taylor Bertolette had himself a really nice night, was perfect from field goal range, three for three, including a 56 yarder. Make your peace with it now. He's going to be the starter on opening day. Yeah, your 2019 uh, New York Jets starting week one starting kicker will be Taylor Bertolette. Uh, that uh, 56 yarder just about sealed it up. And it, honestly, unless it, it, it was his job to to lose, again we've talked about this. They've only had uh, one kicker in camp this, this whole time. They were very patient with Catman. They didn't seem to be in a rush to try to make changes then until he walked in and said he wanted out. Um, Bertolette, they're, they're comfortable with, and he came in and he nailed all his kicks, including a 56-yarder. So he will be their kicker uh, for week one. Uh, obviously, if they lose a game because he misses a couple of kicks, then they will go and they will fix it at that point. But they, he, uh, Gase was asked afterwards about, you know, possibly bring if he has thoughts of bringing somebody else in or carrying two kickers, they're not going to be doing that. Not with uh, the amount of help they need on this roster, they will not be kicking, uh, keeping two kickers. I, I can tell you that Taylor Bertolette will be the starting kicker. 
Luke Fox sighting tonight, Chris. I don't expect him to make the active roster, but I do think he has a chance at the practice squad. I also think that this probably means that if they're going to keep a third quarterback, whether it's on the active roster or on the practice squad, it's going to be Falk, and it's not going to be Davis Webb, who has looked pretty bad in preseason and hasn't had a great camp either. Yeah, you saw Falk come in as the third quarterback, uh, and that that tells you all you need to know. And in the third game, they bring him in as the third quarterback. He's most likely going to be the guy going to the practice squad. I mean, I guess there's a chance that uh, next week they could start Davis Webb and then uh, have Falk in and Davis Webb does so good. I, maybe, but uh, they're both going to be cut. I can't see the Jets keeping three quarterbacks this year. Uh, again, they need all the help they can get. They need to address all the other positions. So they can't afford to keep three guys on the active roster. Uh, if if Luke Falk clears waivers, which I'm sure he will, then you can expect him to come back and uh, be on the practice squad. And then obviously, if there's an injury or something, then they can address it at that point. But again, any of those backups, including Trevor Simeon, if they're playing at the season, is is in uh, great danger. Wide receiver, Tim White is somebody that we had talked about throughout camp as somebody who could very well make this roster. Deontay Burnett, same thing. Burnett had a couple of catches tonight. It looks like, barring something crazy happening, he's probably making the team. Tim White was nowhere to be found. I'm going to have to take it on the chin here. So will you, Chris. We both thought a couple of weeks ago that Tim White was in pretty good standing and had a real chance. Doesn't look like that's the case now. Yeah, uh, the only way I can imagine him, uh, the only way I can see him getting uh, making the team right now is if the Jets literally can't sign anybody else. They just, whoever is uh, cut from other teams decides to go elsewhere, or there's just no, not a, any good ones that they deem uh, acceptable, but I find that hard to believe. They're gonna, I have to imagine that they're going to get at least one or two receivers out there, but at least one. And if they do, then Tim White's not making this roster. I'd need to check to see if he's uh, practice squad el- eligible. I thought that he was, but then I got something in my head saying that I, I thought somebody might have said something. One of the other beat reporters might have said he's not, so I'll have to look into that. Uh, but that's, that's the only way he's sticking around here at this point. He had... He had, was targeted four times tonight at three catches with 28 yards. That, that's not enough. Uh, you know, obviously, Deontay Burnett only had three receptions for 16 yards. That's not great either, but I, he's, he's been ahead of Tim White this entire time. And honestly, both of them could end up uh, not making the active roster if the Jets can find two wide receivers that they like. Let's go inside the locker room now, Chris. You said there was only one injury. It was Brandon Bryant, the backup safety. So Adam Gase talked about that, and he talked about other things too. Joe Douglas ended up talking before the game, so we can get into that. You touched on it a little bit before. And then some of the players. So who spoke in the locker room, and what did they have to say? Yeah, I didn't really get too much of the locker room. This happens in preseason. You go in for the Gase press conference. By the time you get into the locker room, the players have all cleared out. Uh, you know, the, the starters have definitely gone in. Uh, they weren't playing, so they were able to get out of there real quickly. Uh, Jonathan Harrison was talking, uh, but 
what we were talking to him about was Andrew Luck. Obviously, he played with him with the Colts. So he was just talking about what a great guy he is, uh, how much fun he had playing with them. I saw Ty Montgomery talking to reporters, too. Obviously, uh, the Stanford connection there. So I'm, I'm assuming there was a lot of Andrew Luck questions. Taylor Bertolette talked uh, a little bit, just, you know, talked about how that felt making that kick, how excited he was. Um, just uh, happy to be able to shake off his performance from last week and kind of redeem himself. Darnold talked afterwards. Like I said, he's, he was talking about how uh, a lot of players felt a little, a little unsettled after the Ty Montgomery uh, fumble. Like people were trying to press and do a little too much. But he, he felt he finally settled down into a rhythm. He said that he, he was watching the second half and he just wanted to get back out there and get some more reps in. But obviously it was a wise thing that that didn't happen. So... Um, yeah, like I said, Gase talked about just, um, he was very frustrated with the penalties. Uh, he was very, very visibly frustrated about that. That drove him nuts. Uh, but, you know, it was evenly a split between the two teams there. Um, and then he talked about how he wanted to play the starters longer, but just watching the way the game went and Sam getting those hits, the, the all the penalties, and there was just no way he could justify it any further. So he had to go ahead and pump the brakes and pull the starters out, which was obviously the wise decision. That was the end of this evening for you, Chris, covering what was going on in the locker room. An end to a night that I'm sure you would love to forget because it's a game that had 31 penalties and seemed to go on forever and ever and ever. We do have one more preseason game left, but then the regular season comes. So hopefully the regular season games are more entertaining. As always, appreciate you hopping on and recapping the game with me, going into the locker room and going through all the nitty-gritty of what's going on around the team before, after, and during the game. For anybody that wants to read your write-up over at JetsInsider.com, why don't you let them know what they've got in store for them in your write-up and also what else you've got up there right now at JetsInsider.com. Yeah, just uh, have a quick story up there, article up there right now about the game. Uh, I'll go uh, watch, rewatch the game tomorrow morning and uh, give us some more thoughts on it here and there. I'll see what jumped out, uh, what jumps out to me there, comment on it. And then we start uh, really going, I'm going to start going through this, this roster. Obviously, we know the main positions that they need, but we're going to look to see how many players uh, that they probably need to address because I could really see them bringing in like 10 new players after everybody makes their final cut. Uh, the, the depth of this team is really, really bad. It needs to be upgraded. Joe Douglas is aware of that. So over this next week, uh, the, uh, most of the focus is going to be on who can they bring in to help shore up the bottom of that roster. Go ahead and read Chris's very big deal work. At JetsInsider.com Follow him on Twitter At CNimbly And at JetsInsider Follow his deputy editor Alan Schechter At Alan Underscore S-C-H-E-C-H-T-E-R And for the latest and greatest In New York Jets podcasts You know where to go Let's turn on the Jets digital And turn on the Jets.com